Welcome to Wild West Podcast, where fact and legend merge. The Wild West Podcast presents the true accounts of individuals who settled in a town built out of hunger for money, regulated by fast guns who walked on both sides of the law, patrolling, investing in, and regulating the brothels, saloons, and gambling houses. These are the stories of the men who made the history of the Old West come alive, bringing with them the birth of legends, brought to order by a six-gun and laid to rest with their boots on. Join us now as we take you back in history to the legends of the Wild West. There was a young uh, reverend, uh, one year out of Presbyterian Seminary, feels that the Lord's calling him to Dodge City to work. So he pilgrims me. He, you know, kind of the dude from back east, you know, dressed, you know, uh, in, a, in a nice suit. And of course, immediately when he got off the train, jeered all the way. Uh, but he was fervent about this. Fortunately, uh, well, I have to back up a little bit. This gentleman's name was Orman Wright. Fortunately for him, unfortunately for one of the, let's, let's just say one of the entertainers, the lady entertainers in, uh, on Front Street, uh, poor Lizzie Palmer, uh, she succumbed to a scalp wound. Of course, less than natural causes. Of course, Orman's first test, the cowboys wake him up in the middle of the night. Done this before. Uh, woke him up in the middle of the night, uh, explained that this lady had died. Would he preach her a nice funeral? Well, they'd tried that before. Now, the other men of the cloth already scuffed up. They're not going to lose themselves to that level. Orman didn't even hesitate. Grabbed his hat and coat, and off to Boot Hill he went. Preached a lovely funeral. I, I, I saw a copy of the notes, and the subject matter just happened to be the woman caught in adultery. But he stood up. He cowboyed up, and this endeared him to the locals. Okay, he still practical jokes made his life, you know, interesting. But cared for him, cared for him so much that they actually allowed him to have Sunday morning services in the saloons. He'd go back on Monday morning and cash in the poker chips, which you know supported his ministry. Doing so well, he got the idea: I need to build a church in Dodge City. <laughs> That rumor got around. It was like on the Associated Press. Oh my! All over the world, a church in hell. Well, he was—he uh, uh, he wouldn't let up. Uh, and of course, his the people that supported him back east, uh, he wouldn't let up on them. Finally, just to get him off their backs, said, "Tell you what, Armin, if you can raise six hundred dollars." We'll match your $600. You can build yourself a fine church. Of course, they figure that's the end of it. $600, astronomical figure. Uh, well, the locals found out that Orman needed $600. Within a day and a half's time, Orman had his $600. Okay, so you think we're going to build a church. Well, not good enough for his sponsors back east. So they send a contingency of people out here to investigate. That's a lot of money. They came out, they reported black. You're not going to believe this. We've actually found religious people in Dodge City, 13 in all. Thus, the First Union Church. Most who tried to bring religion to early Dodge were scared off by the rowdy buffalo hunter or cowboy. But one man of the cloth stuck to his guns and helped settle down wild and rowdy Dodge City. Despite his age and inexperience, or perhaps because of, he was one of the first ministers not to be scared out of Dodge or discouraged away by a cold reception from the ruffians. Wright had a good rapport with the locals. Ormond W. Wright was born in Ackworth, New Hampshire in 1850, 
arrived in Dodge City in early 1877 at the age of 26. Though he had graduated from Hamilton College in Clinton, New York in 1873, he was not ordained when he got to Dodge. On August 6, 1877, four visiting Presbyterian ministers ordained Reverend Wright at the Interdenominational Union Church. This church was built in 1874 or 75, preceding Wright's arrival at First Avenue and Spruce, north of the downtown. It cost $1,000 to construct and held at least 100 worshipers. Wright's ordination allowed him to establish and construct a new church. It was the first denominational church in Dodge City, which served the Presbyterian congregation. Though the Presbyterians placed the cornerstone for this church in 1878, it was not completed until 1880. After additions and renovations, this building was replaced by the current structure in 1924 at the same location at 803 Central Avenue. Much of Wright's support came from the shadier side of Dodge City. When he and his recent bride, Minnie B. Star Wright, fell on hard times, the saloon keepers and working girls came up with a larder of groceries and $200 to tide the family over. Though the more transitory residents assisted Reverend Wright in the times of need, they did not maintain his cause. It was the permanent God-fearing settlers who steadily attended services who kept the dream alive with their perseverance. Nonetheless, Wright was a man of great conviction, and like Jesus, he welcomed those of a less-than-pristine background into the faith. It was his ability to take things in stride and exhibit a sense of humor that helped him get along so well in Dodge City. In fact, the citizens here felt comfortable enough with him to include them in their practical jokes. In June 1877, his prize pony was stolen by the likes of Luke McGlue, Dodge City's infamous and fictitious prankster. Unaware it was a hoax, he could not be consoled. A deputy sheriff, who was part of the practical joke, told the reverend that the culprit who stole his pony had been found and asked Wright whether the criminal should be shot or hanged. Momentarily, Wright struggled between the urge for revenge and his sense of Christian forgiveness. But the reverend figured out quickly the crook was none other than Luke McGlue, and the pony was quickly returned. Wright's good-natured response earned him the admiration of the Dodge City gang. Reverend Wright stayed in Dodge City as Presbyterian pastor until 1882 when he finally burned out and was placed in a private institution for health reasons. Within a couple of years, he recovered and continued his ministry in Barnegat, New Jersey for 30 years. He died around 1936 at the age of 86.